Three, two, one. I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence, silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Shanti Das, the host of the Silence the Shame podcast. It's been a couple of weeks. We're excited to be back. You know, we're still in a pandemic, so... You might not get us every week, but we are here to spread the good news and information about mental health and wellness to the community. And today I'm super excited about talking to this young lady, um, which we'll get into shortly. But of course, I got to bring the homie in, my amazing co-host, Free the Vision. What's up, Shanti? What up, Free? I miss you. I miss you too. This is a weird way of us having to connect again. <laughs> It really is. It is super, super weird, but that's okay. Um, we're, hopefully, prayerfully, we will be able to be in each other's presence safely next year. Mm-hmm. But until now, we're going to keep this thing moving. So again, as I mentioned, today is episode 38. Um, we're going to be talking about managing stress and anxiety while what? Adulting. Right. I really can't technically use that term, even though I joke about it, but I'm really too old, right? I've phased out of that term adulting. I'm a full-fledged adult. However, uh, the millennial generation and the young adults um, came up with this term a couple years back. And I think it's appropriate for some, but it, it, I do on a serious note want to talk about how this young generation um, has just so much stress and anxiety and depression um, that they're having to deal with as they do, quote unquote, adult in life. And so we uh, decided to bring on an expert who is a young adult herself. Um, Her name is Dr. Shonda and she founded Minds of the Culture. And Mm. she is a therapist and studying for her licensure exams. And we're just excited to have her on um, to speak about this topic. So let's give a warm silence to shame. Welcome to Dr. Shonda. Hey. Um, what up? Hey, I'm so excited to be here. You guys' energy is like on 10, so <laughs> it's lit. I can tell it's going to be lit, so. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So first of all, can you just uh, give the audience a little bit of your background and how long you've been doing this work? Absolutely. Yeah. So I've actually been in the mental health field generally uh, for a good seven years working primarily with children and adolescents. Uh, Last year, however, I obtained my doctorate degree in clinical psychology. And right now I'm working as a mental health therapist for those younger adults, um, individuals who are trying to understand like what their next move is going to be in terms of career and stuff. So I think this topic is like right in my realm right now. Um, with regard to my background with Minds of the Culture, that was recently started a good, I want to say a good eight months ago. It hasn't even been that long. And I'm just appreciative of where God has taken me. Um, and that just was founded based on my interest of wanting to help the Black community with regard to mental health, as well as emphasizing faith and mental health, because there's room for both of them. It doesn't have to be either or. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we think you are the, the perfect person um, to do this. And so we're just, again, excited to have you. And we're going to jump right in. Uh, my first question for you, Dr. Shonda, is, so this term adulting, right? It took flight, I think, around either 2015 or 2016 with millennials. How hard has it been for the younger generation to get used to having adult responsibilities? And what do you think some of the biggest challenges are with this notion? 
Yeah, it's been so hard. It's been very difficult. Um, any life cycle transition that we're talking about here is going to be difficult for anybody, right? And so when I mean the, the life cycle transitions, we have like infancy, toddlers, um, going into childhood, puberty, and then we have the adolescents going into the adulthood. And so when we're speaking of that specific transition, we're talking about individuals having to come into their own and learn how to function independently. And that might look like having to understand like finances and how to manage that, how to budget, um, how to navigate through career, uh, education, relationships, and all those different things. And I would say those are like those bigger challenges because we never really had to deal with that in those earlier stages on an independent level. Mm-hmm. You're preaching. Free. I uh... want to jump in free. Yeah, you know what? I want to ask you this too. Um, mm-hmm. This is a little sidebar. When do you feel like there was a big moment when you actually felt like an adult? I think that there's something that like um, the younger generation doesn't really know when it those responsibilities take on. You know, they go through those things just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say when I was in college, um, away from my parents, away from family, and all that stuff, and you know, living on campus, having to figure things out. Uh, of course, I had my family there supporting me, but being in an environment where I couldn't readily like have my mom to call, you know, this teacher in order to get things figured out for me, I would say like that was probably that primary experience. Um, yeah, so for me, it was definitely college. Was it overwhelming? Yes, it was very overwhelming. Listen, my mom, those of y'all who don't know, Pastor Rella Reynolds, oh, she's a she was a helicopter mom. Like she uh. was quick to. Yes. <laughs> she was quick to write a note to any of my high school teachers, quick to email somebody on my behalf. And because I didn't have that in college, um, well, first of all, they don't let like parents call and talk to teachers and stuff. So I really had to figure that out on my own. And it was stressful. It was stressful. And I think a lot of times as young adults and um, us transitioning into this phase, we have to really understand that the things that our parents instilled in us, it wasn't just for their good, right? It's for those moments where we don't have them. So really kind of honing in and leaning into those different, uh, you know, mindsets and belief systems and values that was instilled into you by your family, your parents, your caregivers, whoever you grew up with is gonna be essential in those periods where you have to be independent. Mm-hmm. That was a perfect statement. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, so that leads me to my next question. How, how do you mm-hmm. think, um, stress and anxiety plays into kind of what a lot of the young people are experiencing right now. Why is it so tough for them to grasp the concept Mm -hmm. of having to be responsible adults? Yes, that question is so, so good. How much time we got? Because (laughs) that question can go in so many different directions. Uh, I would say it's very stressful for us because, you know, at this time, of course, we're navigating adulthood, trying to figure out our career, and we're in a pandemic. Not only are we in a pandemic, but we're also fighting white supremacy. And let me tell y'all, like racial battle fatigue is real. Mm. Like we're having to, it's, it's so real. Like having to go on the front lines, you know, protest, do what we need to do in order to allow our voices to be heard and then have to go home and figure out things related to our families and our careers, right? So all these different things like being piled up on one person, it can definitely be stressful. 
And if we don't know how to cope with it, it can manifest as anxiety. It can manifest as, um, you know, just uh, feeling guilty for not being able to really put your whole heart and the whole, you know, soul into certain things you want to put your heart and soul into. But because we have these other stressors, like being in a pandemic and racism, social injustice and all these other factors, like we have to really learn how to navigate um, all these different avenues while we're trying to figure things out ourselves. So I would say that's probably one of the main things that's really hindering us right now. In addition to that, like just generally speaking, like any adult who's going, any early adult who's going through these early life cycle stages, like we're going to have those general fears related to trying to figure things out, you know, fear related to like, am I in my right career uh, choice? Am I in my right career move? Um, is this the end for me? Like in terms of career, um, is this, you know, am I managing my finances correctly? Should I be investing in a, a house right now? Right. So trying to navigate those different things can be stressful for anybody and factoring in family stuff and factoring in uh, what's going on in the country. You know, recently our brother Walter Wallace, who was killed in Philly, like I, I have friends in Philly who have businesses who are really stressed out right now who are really trying to navigate like, okay, how am I going to manage things with my business when there's protests happening? There's, you know, my block is pretty much on fire right now. Like, how am I going to go into my job? So, it, I mean, it's so real and it's relevant to what we're experiencing today, so. No, I mean, wow, thank you. You brought up some really, really interesting points because it's deeper, right? Than just, to your mm -hmm. point, than just, okay, you know, I got to, go to school, I got to figure out my career, but then I have all this social unrest going on around me. Exactly. And then it's like, you know, trying to work and live while being black or being a person mm -hmm. of color. I mean, it's just a lot. Or And then, you know, you go back to just the, again, the normal stress of being a young adult and, you know, free. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you're still in that millennial category, but I I, I, think, I always say you are. <laughs> I swear, I, still I, I still want to keep you at 30, but... <laughs> But uh, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough time. And then especially when you talk about the toll is taken on young black men. Right, Dr. Mm -hmm. Shonda? Yes. Yes. It's so real. It's so real. Uh, you know, as young black men who are trying to navigate their careers and figure things out, like, you know, it's, it's nothing for them to go outside and see a cop and then experience, you know, those different stressors such as hypervigilance is what we call it. So basically being on edge when seeing law enforcement, you know, having to go out into our communities and having the uh, feelings of being judged by individuals and being looked at a certain way, you know, it's, it's so much on the backs of black men right now and even black women, like, again, like figuring things out with family and also like being in the office and, probably even being the only minority voice, or I don't like the word minorities, but being the only marginalized voice in um, the, the office setting. Like all those different things like definitely play a role in that. And even from a historical standpoint, like we're not that far removed from slavery. Like we're, we're not that far removed from integration. Like we're even thinking about my father, like he's in his sixties and he was literally like the first black man in his high school in Texas. So like thinking about those types of things, we're still experiencing the, the legacy of slavery even today. So having to navigate through my career, having to, you know, go in board meetings and different conferences. And sometimes I'm the only black face there, like that's stressful. That's stressful. And if you don't have an outlet, it can be met. That can manifest in so many different ways, uh, whether that's anxiety, um, feeling guilty, imposter syndrome, you know, all these different things can play a role in that. So Absolutely. let me ask you, how likely do you think young adults are to go to therapy and talk about their issues? Mm -hmm. 
I would say definitely less stigmatized today because we have more celebrities, more voices, um, platforms like yours, Shanti does, like where people are coming in and talking about mental wellness and the importance of it. Like people in my age cohort, like it's nothing for us to be around talking and saying, oh yeah, my therapist said blah, 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 right? Hmm. Back in the day, that wasn't a thing. Back wow. in the day, that wasn't a thing. Like, yeah, yep. Like even thinking in my, my childhood, like people weren't talking about therapists like that. Well, they did, but it was like in a, a negative pejorative way. Like we don't go to therapy. We just go to church. Like Jesus will handle everything. But now um, millennials are just in a place where we're very unapologetic about our healing. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. I completely agree. Yeah. And there's a, it's just being, like you said, brought to the forefront a lot more, um, mm-hmm. which makes me um, want to ask also about the, coping mechanisms, because we see that self-care has been um, publicized a lot more. People are discussing it and coming familiar with the term. Um, mm-hmm. as we see. What are some healthy coping mechanisms to the stress and anxiety of the transition to adulthood? That's such a great question, because one thing I'm realizing is that a lot of people just don't know that there are healthy ways to cope with stress. Um, you know, sometimes we might go to like, you know, drinking or smoking or what have you. And in order to cope with these different emotions, but, you know, practicing those healthy coping strategies is definitely going to be helpful. And one thing I will say is exercise has definitely been my go-to, especially during the pandemic. Um, whether I'm outside or inside on the treadmill, I think it's so important to exercise because one, on a physical level, like it helps to improve your, your mood. And two, on a biological level, it releases neurotransmitters in the brain that helps to relax you and help you feel good and happy and calm. So exercise is definitely one of them. Um, even going back to my interest of faith-based strategies, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that there's room for both. So prayer can be a coping strategy. So, you know, writing down your prayers, talking to God or whoever you pray to, uh, incorporating your spiritual religious beliefs and practices into your mental health uh, system system can be beneficial because, you know, research suggests that individuals who do have a faith-based background have some sort of protective factor against mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Also meditating, deep breathing. Uh, I can go on, y'all. It's so many coping skills out there. Um, One coping skill I've recently put out there that a lot of people just weren't aware of for anxiety. Sometimes we have like bodily reactions to anxiety, like a racing heart and um, hands trembling and things of that nature, but holding ice can be a coping strategy for that specific. Really? Because really? yep. I was just yes. going to ask you, are there any kind of like non-traditional ones that we don't necessarily yes. always hear about? That's interesting. Yep. So you can either hold it or you could put it on your face, but try to do it for 30 seconds and that'll activate what we call the parasympathetic nervous system in order to relax you. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's good to know. Yes. Dr. Shonda dropping tools, y'all. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Let me know where y'all try it. Yes, yes. I, I also wanted to ask, do you feel like in today's time versus um, our parents' time, do you feel that a lot of the stress or challenges that come with adulting is due to societal changes? And if so, like what, which ones would you pinpoint? I would definitely say so. Um, I think that our parents' generation, like the, the boomers, they were more so like they, ha- they had their stuff figured out earlier. So mm-hmm. even thinking about my parents, like at 30, married, had a family, had a home. And that was really the trajectory for a lot of black families in that era. Um, so like just having things already mapped out pretty early. 
and now we're in this generation where we're prioritizing like honestly like books over boys is the motto so like education over mm -hmm. relationships uh so so prioritizing like want to, wanting to have their career ready before like marrying and uh wanting to to be educated before starting a family and because that's been the trend lately you know people are starting families later people are you know buying homes later and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but i think it's also important to acknowledge that there are uh, certain worries that people might have due to starting things later, like feeling pressure such as like, you know, my family had this at this age, I should be there. You know, comparing yourself to that that previous generation can definitely lead to, you know, again, like feeling like you, you're not on the right track or feeling like you should be doing so much more. So I definitely think there's pressure related to us uh, comparing ourselves to that previous generation. Yes, very yeah, good. Absolutely. Incredible points. And, and I want to ask you, what role do you think social media uh, has played or is playing to adding to the stressing to stress and anxiety for this generation around adulting? Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I definitely see that because, you know, everybody wants to keep up with the Joneses. And the, the, the unfortunate part is when we talk about social media, when we see social media, people aren't posting their failures. They're not posting like uh, the, the job denial letters and all that stuff. They're posting the good moments. They're posting the schools they got into. They're posting the, the job offers and the raises. So and when I'm you have somebody devil's who- advocate. Is that such a bad thing? Uh -huh. I'm playing devil's advocate. Is that such a bad thing? Not at all, not at all. It's not a bad thing, but it is a bad thing if I'm comparing my imperfect life to their perfect moments. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, there we go. That and that's real, right? So like even even myself, I'll use myself as an example. So I was in school for what eleven years. So I wasn't financially stable. Like I was, you know, pretty much during my grad school years, I was living with my parents. Um, and then I'm seeing my friends like buying homes and excelling in careers. And so if I'm comparing my imperfect parts. Uh, so, such as like not being financially stable to my friends who are getting the promotions who went straight into their careers like I'm going to feel bad I'm going to feel like I'm not up to par right so it's so important for us to of course like post what you want to post and also those individuals we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to our imperfect selves to those perfect moments that people post everybody doesn't post everything so it's important to keep that in mind have context yeah, that's yes. true. I, I think, you know, because I'm a part of what Generation X and I've gotten to a point where I don't give a crap <laughs> what people are saying. <laughs> and I am almost like brutally honest to a fault about my mental health and wellness, but it works mm -hmm. for me, right? I'm not saying that everybody needs to jump on and, and post about, you know, their mental health and wellness. But to your point, like you, you got to be willing to look at your life for it is what it is. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, from a spiritual perspective, no matter who you believe in, um, I know my God never said life was going to be perfect. Right. And so you, you gotta be willing to, um, to deal with it. And for those that cannot get out of their head, if you will, or get out of their feelings, you know, you may need some help mm -hmm. and that's okay. Exactly. How, what are, what are some like, cause you know, we often get from, from some young people, like the question, like, how do I even find a therapist? And, you know, what does that look like? And, you know, what do I do? Where do I go? Can you give some mm -hmm. insight to any young adults that may be listening, um, you know, about how they can find a therapist or get help if they need it? 
Absolutely, sure. So when we're talking about um, finding a therapist, there's so many directories out there, right? So, you know, we have different platforms like Therapy Therapy for Black Girls. Um, I have a Black therapist directory, so you can just locate a therapist directory that would that has your specific interests, right? And um, also, people don't know that you can call your insurance company, and your insurance company can give you a list of therapists in your area that they cover. And so sometimes that can eliminate a lot of the strain of finding a therapist and then trying to figure out like whether or not they're a network. So that's another option. Um, when you do find a therapist, there are certain questions that you should be asking to figure out whether or not they're a good fit, such as, you know, things that are pertaining to life situations, like what are your viewpoints on um, things like racism and injustice and things of that nature? Like, do you see yourself actually having a connection with this person, right? So it's really important to really parse out, like, what are you looking for in a specific therapist? And can that person show up for you in a way that you need them to? That's a great um, bit of advice because I never, I haven't really heard anybody mention to essentially interview your therapist. Um, Absolutely. Or, you know, to kind of vet your therapist for yourself to see if they align with your um, core values and beliefs. Yes. I Listen, I encourage all of my clients, like, use our consultation time to interview me. Like, we can talk about your problems or whatever you're coming to therapy with later, but I want you to find out whether or not I'm a good fit for you. Otherwise, you'll be coming to therapy wasting your time. So. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing I want to ask you about is, you know, young people, obviously, or young adults, rather, um, you know, they're young, you're dating, whether you're on, you know, social media, or you on dating apps and trying to find that right person. And, you know, relationships, right, can just be a huge issue, I think, that can lead to depression um, for a lot of millennials and young adults, you know, on top of everything um, that will carry them into adulthood, right? Like you said, to get married and, you know, figure out what you're going to do. A lot of people are still living at home with their parents. And that makes it hard to, you know, to date um, when you're a young adult. So can you talk about mm -hmm. dating and just that whole level of stress, stress and pressure um, around dating and being carried into adulthood? Yes. And then, Shanti, add on there being in a pandemic, like, <laughs> like now we got to be creative with our dates. That's right. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, I would say it's definitely, it definitely takes a toll on young adults, like just trying to navigate this whole dating scene uh, because we are, especially millennials, like we're go-getters, entrepreneurs. And so finding time to date and find that right person, I think is uh, really, you know, one of those stresses that a lot of people are experiencing right now. And to that, I would say it's really important just to understand your why right now. So, you know, I always encourage my clients to understand like, okay, why are you seeking a relationship right now? Is it because you're bored or do you actually have the time to invest in a relationship? Mm -hmm. um, because oftentimes, you know, oftentimes we might just seek companionship just because we're bored. Uh, we might just seek companionship just because we want to fill a void. And so if those are, if, if you're trying to fill a void or just trying to fill time, like I can promise you that relationship isn't going to work out. So really take some time, you know, analyze what is the purpose of this relationship? Do you actually have the time to invest in it? And do you want to invest in it? I think that's going to really help you to understand like how you should navigate things. And then after that, you know, going into certain realms, like in a pandemic, trying to figure out, you know, that person, is that person right for you or not? Uh, in creative ways. So we have social media out here. 
Um, so like using things, people have been using Instagram, like sliding into DMs lately. Uh, people have been using, uh, I think it's called Bumble, like all these different social media apps and <laughs> things of that nature in order to find that right person for you. But I think the foundation here is just to figure out like, you know, are you dating because you, you genuinely want a partner or are you dating because you're trying to fill a void? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, good points. Good points. Good points. And, and I want to ask you one last question, um, Dr. Shonda. So, sure. you know, I've, I've had people that I've known um, and I was very close to that were diagnosed with a mental illness um, mm-hmm. as, as a young adult. And oftentimes, and, and it happens with adults too, but a lot of young adults, you know, if they're, if they have to be prescribed medication, right, they don't like the way the medication mm-hmm. makes them feel. And so then family members and friends are put in a unique position because if you're over 18, right, you're, you, you can't make the person take their medication mm-hmm. and necessarily make them go to the doctor. And this is probably, um, uh, situation that's never ending right but what kind of advice can you give to parents that may be listening who have young Mm -hmm. adults and then young adults who may feel away and might be embarrassed about having to take medication I certainly don't push medication on everyone you need to consult Mm -hmm. with your psychiatrist and your therapist and your general practitioner so that they can you know put together a plan that works for you but it's a lot of stigma that's still there around medication or you know them not liking the way it makes them feel, but some people actually may need it to treat their mental health challenges. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great question because there there is still a stigma associated with taking medication. Um, and you know, I'm a, a therapist, so I don't prescribe, but I do work with uh, nurse practitioners and psychiatrists. And one thing we always tell our clients, if you're not liking your medication and it's because like it's changing your personality or it's changing how you behave, then that's not the right medication for you. It's either the wrong medication or the wrong dosage. So if it's related to that, like I would encourage you to talk to your physician, your psychiatrist, whoever's prescribing it in order to analyze, you know, if the medication needs to be titrated. Um, And to your point about like parents, I think, again, that's such a great question because I I recently had a situation like that where a family friend had called me about um, his uh, son, you know, going through a a medical crisis. And basically because he was 18, like he couldn't really do much about it. And so in that situation, it's, it's really difficult because parents' hands are pretty much tied in that, you know, after a certain age, you really can't like make legal decisions for your child, especially regarding their diagnosis and the type of medication they're taking. But I would encourage family therapy for anyone who's experiencing that. So family therapy can be powerful in the sense that like you all are pretty much coming in to develop a shared family goal, right? So a lot of times like you might not be satisfied with what's happening because the goals are different. The family goals are different. Mm -hmm. So we can all get on the same page with the family goal. What is it that you want out of this? How do you want these behaviors to improve and what that looks like to everybody? then we'll all be able to go into the game with like the same game plan pretty much as opposed to everybody having different goals, different outcomes, yada, yada, all that different stuff. So like, it's really important for everybody just to be on the same page with that. hundred percent. Absolutely. I am so grateful for your knowledge, your expertise and coming on. I know that everything you shared today, Dr. Shonda is going to help so many people. 
And we're just truly, truly grateful for your time. Can you tell everybody how they can stay connected to you, how they can, you know, support you personally, as well as Minds of the Culture, which is an incredible um, initiative that you started um, for young people um, and how they can access that, um, that directory for therapists you were talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. So you guys can follow me on Instagram. Um, my personal page is at paging.doctor.shonda, C-H-A-N-D-A, and uh, we can connect there. You can also contact me on the Minds of the Culture mobile app, and that's actually where the directory is. So if you go into the App Store or on Google Play, you can download Minds of the Culture. So it's all different words. So Minds of the Culture. And um, you can also follow us on Instagram and you can support Minds of the Culture, our movement by, you know, purchasing some apparel. We have some different messages that are uh, either faith-based or rooted in Black mental health, such as like Black Mental Health Matters tees and our PTSD2 tees. Uh, just purchasing those can definitely help to support our initiative in the Black community. Amazing. That was excellent. Wasn't it good for me? Mm -hmm. So Dr. Shonda, we're gonna tell you now, like we have a short list of clinicians that we have sometimes. So like, would you be open if, you know, say if we had another, you know, young adult guest and then we could have you as kind of like our resident clinician for that particular episode. Are you down to come back on the show? Absolutely. I'm Listen, I'm always down for the cause, especially for Silence the Shame, y'all family. Oh, I know. And we love you. And I so appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to being a part of whatever you're doing with Minds of the Culture, because it really is about empowering one another and uplifting one another. And again, I'm just grateful. I could not do this work without my co-host as well, Free the Vision. Free, how can everybody reach you? Um, I am at Free the Vision everywhere. So anywhere you are, at Free the Vision. I love it. And I am at ShantiDoss404 on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow us um, on Instagram at Silence the Shame. On Facebook and Twitter, it's at Silence T-A Shame. Check out our website, www.silencetheshame.com. And free, tell them how they can listen and subscribe to the podcast. Yes, um, on Google Play, um, SoundCloud, and Apple. And we need you to rate, subscribe, comment, and share, please, please, as much as possible um, so that this message can spread. And we love to hear from you, topics and interests that you have and any questions. We love that engagement. Absolutely. And, and, and if you have a compelling story and want to share, you know, let us know and we'll get you on. But this, this work is, is critical. It's important. Um, as Dr. Shonda mentioned, you know, we're still in a pandemic. Young adults are going through so much and, and we just want you to know that Silence of Shame is a resource for you and we are here to help. So you've been listening to episode 38 of the Silence of Shame podcast, Managing Stress and Anxiety While Adulting. Again, I am your host, Shanti Das. I want you to take time, save a life and silence the shame. <laughs>